Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-hosts, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke, and of course, co-host producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to rate and review the show. That really helps us out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow all of us as well at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pachoki, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, Jacob is back, so the three of us will all celebrate the Los Angeles Dodgers winning the World Series for the first time since 1988. We'll also preview Week 8 in the NFL with the TSK Show Power Rankings and our picks of the week for each game. All of this and more on episode 166 of the Sports Kingdom Show coming up right now. Yo, what's going on, everybody? What a day it's been. Welcome to episode 166 of the Sports Kingdom show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me, the one and only Shelton's very own Tyler Pachelke. Tyler, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Good, dude. It's uh, it's always cool to be in a city when they when they uh, win a championship, man. It's a it's a wild experience. Yes, it is, man. It's been it's been a wild uh, like twenty four like hours. Damn Fourth of July. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely a lot of fireworks going throughout the city last night after the Dodgers won. But we'll get into that in a second. Sitting across from me on the board, our co-host producer extraordinaire, Jacob Gonzalez. Jacob, what's up, man? We missed you. I was gone for no, two turn weeks. Your mic I know. On. Well, that's that's how long I've been gone for two <laughs> weeks. See, forgot how to turn on the mic. But uh, it's good to be back. But man, what a month it's been. Nothing but celebrations. Yeah, man. For the city of LA. Los Angeles City of Champions. But uh before we hit the diamond, this next segment of the Sports Kingdom show is sponsored by J Diamond Estates for all your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539, or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 
It's funny, Tyler. I was telling Jacob before we started recording, we're going to have to update the basketball and baseball sounders to add the, the final calls of the NBA finals from this year and the World Series from this year. And the, and the Super Bowl from this year when the bird gang hangs it up. No, you, you mean the Rams. So, well, that, that lays the city cool of champions. The Rams are destined, baby. I got the I got the Chargers making that happen before. <laughs> oh goodness. But all right, let's let's talk about this World Series, fellas. The Dodgers win the World Series. I can't I, every time it rolls off my my tongue, it still goosebumps right now. It's it's unbelievable. They they won the World Series in 6 games. They won game 6 by a score of 3 to 1. Shortstop Corey Seager was named World Series MVP. The Rays took uh, an early 1-0, one to nothing advantage in the game thanks to rookie Randy Arozarena's solo home run off of Tony Gonsolin in the top of the first inning, and the Rays were able to hold on to that lead until the sixth inning. And I know for me personally, when Arozarena hit that home run, it was his tenth home run of the postseason, a record for Major League Baseball, uh, and also a record for a rookie. Uh, just as a matter of fact, um, I mean, I thought we were going to be in for a long night and thought we were going to be facing a potential game seven. I don't know about you guys, but that was definitely nerve wracking to start the game in the top of the first inning. I wouldn't want them to go to a game seven either. No, the way the way the Rays pitching was going this series, I'd be a little scared for a game but seven. We would have we would have had Walker not, Bueller going, though. The, they're not the be- they're not the two best words in sports anymore when we're talking about the Dodgers. <laughs> No, they're the scariest two words in sports. Yeah. Yeah. But in the sixth inning, that's when manager for the Tampa Bay Rays, Kevin Cash, took out starting pitcher Blake Snell, who was dealing at the time. What a decision, though, by him. Yeah. After five and a third innings, Blake Snell only threw 73 pitches. He had nine strikeouts and had just given up his second hit of the game when Cash took him out. And Snell was visibly not happy about the decision, but that was the plan all along because the Tampa Bay Rays, the franchise, they they stick to their analytics, and the top of the Dodger order was coming up, and the Rays don't let their starting pitcher face the opposing lineup more than two times through the order. And that would have been Snell's third time going through the Dodgers lineup, and the decision immediately backfired for Kevin Cash and the Tampa Bay Rays. Cash brings in reliever Nick Anderson to face Mookie Betts, who had struck out his previous two at-bats and then promptly hits a double to left field, moving catcher Austin Barnes to third base, and the rally was on. Austin got on base uh, after get it was the second hit off of Blake Snell, Austin Barnes getting that hit, and then moving over to third base on the Mookie Betts double. Anderson then threw a wild pitch to Corey Seager that got away from Rays catcher Mike Zanino, and Austin Barnes scored from third to tie the game. Corey Seager then hits a he hits into a fielder's choice with a, a grounder to first, and G-Man Choi, the Rays' first baseman, tried to throw Mookie Betts out at home but wasn't in time, so Corey was safe at first. And then the Dodgers had a 2-1 lead going into the seventh inning. Before the start of the eighth inning, Justin Turner, third baseman for the Dodgers, had to be pulled from the game. And at the time, no one knew why. And we'll we'll get into that in a little bit. But we, we got some celebrating to do first. And then we'll, we'll get into what happened with Justin. 
in the bottom of the eighth inning, Mookie Betts leading off the eighth inning. This man is worth every fucking penny. He hit a leadoff home run that traveled 434 feet for the cherry on top to give the Dodgers a 3-1 advantage in the eighth inning. At the time, Julio Urias, uh, pitcher, young pitcher for the Dodgers, he had already come in the game with two outs in the top of the seventh inning and pitched a perfect two and a third innings with four strikeouts to close out the game for the Dodgers and win the World Series. Victor Gonzalez, uh, pitcher for the Dodgers uh, in relief, ended up being the winning pitcher as well because the game turned into a bullpen game for the Dodgers after Gonsolin, uh, after Do- uh, Tony Gonsolin, excuse me, uh, got off to a shaky start. And he, this is just a really cool fact, and this was, will really add, I think, to the conversation of what this championship means to Los Angeles and so many people here, but. Uh, Julio Urias became the youngest player to record a save in a World Series clinching game and became the first Mexican-born pitcher to appear in five World Series games. And then him, uh, Julio Urias, and Victor Gonzalez became the first pair of Mexican teammates to win and get a save in a World Series games. And I can't stress enough what that means to the Mexican community here in Los Angeles and so I mean it was it was a crazy game this is the first World Series championship for the Los Angeles Dodgers since 1988 this ends a 32-year drought which included 12 postseason appearances in a 16-year span eight consecutive division titles from 2013 to 2020 and this is the first Dodgers World Series I've ever witnessed in my lifetime um it was it was pretty crazy but i uh we'll get into what the championship means to us and all of that in a minute i kind of want to go back and talk about the game tyler what were your thoughts watching the game unfold the way it did oh man um it was it was it was pretty cool i i i enjoyed it more than i thought i was actually you know what i mean like are we turning you into a baseball guy is Los Angeles turning you into a baseball guy? I don't know. You know, it's been a good ride since I've been here. You know, I moved here uh, eight years ago. Well, eight baseball seasons ago. All eight years they've gone to the playoffs. I've seen them go to three World Series now. Uh, and to see them get the dub was cool. Especially, man, got to especially shout out to boy Kershaw because I think I've been critical about LA sports fans, not necessarily you, Sklar, but Man, I think that he was kind of crucified and hung out to dry, and you know he he had a love hate relationship with his fan base um, through his whole career, and for him to get that like monkey off his back, uh, that was probably the coolest part. You know, I think Kenley and and Justin Turner. I, I don't know if anyone else has been here as long as those guys, but uh, it was good to see this team get over the hump. Yeah. Um... Clayton Kershaw is the longest tenured Dodger. Uh, Kenley Jansen is the second longest tenured Dodger. And then Justin Turner is the longest tenured position player on the Dodgers. So you nailed it, Tyler. Boom. Boom. That's that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, as far as the Blake Snell coaching decision, you know, I'm not a baseball guy. So I didn't understand it at all. But what I did hear was Joe Buck in the first inning talk 
that he he was spoke to the coach. Uh, what's the coach? Cash. Yeah, uh, Kevin the, Cash. Kevin Cash. He spoke to Kevin Cash maybe like I think he said like four or five hours before the game, uh, and that he and that the coach said that the biggest decision was going to be, uh, at, you know, two times through the rotation when that third rotation comes up, and he thinks Blake Snell still got stuff in the tank. What does he do? And he stuck to his game plan, and uh, which he, he stuck I, to the I front office's really orders. I didn't understand it, but, you know, I think there was more, I think baseball people probably understand the, the strategy there more than I do. Uh, but I just, I can't see taking people off the heater like that. I can't see you, you know, subbing guys out in other sports or, or restricting them when they're just on fire. And there is a couple examples. Like I do remember Zion's debut. He was just crushing, and, you know, four for four from three. Uh, it's like 22 points, I think, and they and they took him out the last like six minutes of the game, uh, if, just because of the minutes restriction and 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 Jordan his minutes restriction when he came back from injury his second year in the league, um, but that wasn't for the World Series, you know what I'm saying? I just like I really you know from a from a non baseball person, it felt like that coach his decision lost them the World Series. Yeah, no, 100 percent that decision lost them the World Series but, and. Yeah. He could have got, he could have got, you know, but in game two, he had a no hitter through four, then got, then got smacked with two runs in the fifth. So, you know, there was a ton of, I know there's a ton of data out there supporting the decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I, I guess there's an argument, but man, I think sports has a lot of gut instinct involved. Um, and man, I, I just would have had a hard time taking that kid off the mound. His stats were just insane. Yeah. You, I mean, any former athlete can attest to this. It's like if you're if you still got your stuff or you're on fire on on the court in basketball or you're having a great game in football, it's like you don't want to be taken out when you're hot. Like that completely defeats the I purpose. Think of like, yeah, you think of guys that like fight through injuries in the finals or or like T.O. playing on a broken leg. It's like that probably wasn't the best move, you know, like analytically or just logically, but the spirit of the competitor is different when the moments are big time, you know what I mean? Uh, and so you'll never, they'll never get the chance to know. Yeah. Uh, one quick shot, one quick shot at LA real quick. That uh -oh. I thought was funny. Mookie Betts and Rondo, baby, the Boston <laughs> guys bring, bring, bring champions, bring championships to LA. Oh. I thought that was, I, I, I saw, I think, I, I'm trying to think of who it was. Um, someone took a shot at Keyshawn this morning on NFL Live. It might have been Orlovsky, but he was just like the Boston guys brought him home for LA. That's really funny. Jacob, what about you? What were your, what were your thoughts as, as the game was unfolding and then your, your thoughts on the Blake Snell decision? Well, I think overall the World Series was a great World Series to watch. Game four, we kind of talked about it earlier before we started the show, but it was just such a crazy game watching it unfold. You know, every play mattered, and that's kind of what this this whole series was about. And that's going into Tony Snell's – or not Tony Snell, uh, Blake, <laughs> Tony Blake Snell. Snell. Mix up the Snells. <laughs> Blake Snell's uh, pull from the game and Cash, you know, taking him out. But it's such an analytical game, and they, they have a process already in Tampa Bay, so they were going to go about that because that's what got them there. So yeah. relentless, and that's, again, why they went to the World Series. So I think it's tough if, you, if you're Snell because you're on a hot streak. You know, you want to keep going. You have the arm to keep going. Um, but you got to listen to your manager, and it sucks, but 
he was just as good to go another couple innings. But again, that's what got him there. That's that's their set standard. Yeah, and it, it's so funny because it, uh, as the decision unfolded, everybody on Twitter, all the Dodger fans were like, oh my goodness, Kevin Cash, he's pulling his best David Roberts impression. Yeah, everybody said the same thing. I got texts from all, but like, all kinds of people saying, is Dave Roberts giving him advice? Because... Dave Roberts has been known to either leave starters in too long, i.e. Clayton Kershaw and that whole storyline. And they're, or, they're in trouble and he doesn't pull them. Right. Or or they're in trouble and he doesn't pull them and he leaves them in too long. Yeah, exactly. So, But with this decision, again, that's that's the analytic part to it. He Cash thought he did something that was correct and that was going to maybe help them you know, be put in a better position to win the game. But obviously it didn't. Uh, and that you saw that unfold in the middle of the game. Yeah. Um, but this this is going to be a question mark with this World Series with them. They're always going to be asking themselves, does this come back to haunt them later on, saying if they would have left Snell in a couple more innings, you know, what if? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, th- the decision immediately backfired. No, exactly. Yeah, Cash knew what he did. As soon as he pulled him out in the next couple innings to, to follow, he already knew that he had screwed up. But again, yeah. you you have to make the decisions, and that's why it's tough to be a manager. That's why they're always on the hot seat. For example, you 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 know, I mean, you make the joke about he was pulling his best Dave Roberts impersonation with by doing that. Dave Roberts is always on the hot seat with the Dodgers. Yeah. Regardless if they get to the postseason, to the World Series, doesn't matter. He's always on the verge of maybe getting fired. So again, they have tough decisions to pull, and he made one. He just you know, just didn't end going his way. Yeah, it's and that's that's honestly the life of a coach. It's exactly you just you yeah. make the big big time just, decisions. You just gotta live with them. It's just man, in the big moments, I'd rather go out with my guys than I than agree have this. Yeah, you know, I, I'd but I think lose, that's the part I'd where baseball is different. I'd rather lose with Kershaw on the mound than than lose with Blake Snell sitting in the dugout pissed. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think that in in the regular season and maybe even some of the playoffs, it makes sense, but. Man, game six of the World Series, game five, game seven, whatever, you know, those back games of the World Series, you you got to find that, you know, your competitors, the guys that are going to rise above the moment. Because I think that all logic's got to be thrown out at that point. It's who wants to win this game the most, who's got the juice to step up. Yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, for me personally, in terms of, like, the debate between, like, analytics versus feel – I'm I definitely think there is a place in sports and in baseball for analytics, but I think when it comes to in-game decisions, you can't have a predetermined plan. You have to let the coach or manager go off of feel and how the game is going. I think that I mean, listen, the Dodgers are the same way as the Rays. Andrew Friedman, uh president of baseball operations for the Dodgers, he came from the Tampa Bay's Rays organization. The Rays are a very analytically driven team. They have a collaborative decision-making process with the front office and the analytic guys and the managers or and the manager Kevin Cash and the Dodgers have the same thing as well with Dave Roberts and the, their front office so yeah they have a very similar situation yeah, but, but but I will I mean, agree with you though there's there's a point where yes you listen to the analytics because again that's what the Rays that was with you know their bread and butter that's what got them again to the World Series in yeah. the postseason but at some point though in the game you have to also see that does this feel right as as far as pulling Snell out 
or should or could he go a couple more innings? Right, totally. And so you screw the analytics at that point. If he's on a hot streak and he only allowed what two hits, I think before yeah. he got pulled out. Austin Barnes was the second hit he gave up. That was see to me when I saw that he got pulled out with two hits, there weren't even runs. Nothing. I, I, nothing. So I was like, why the hell is Cash pulling him out? But hey, again, you live with a decision yourself. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think we're all on the same page here. You just like what the fuck are you paying a manager for? If you're <laughs> if you're that if you're that hardcore analytically driven, what who a piece of paper could run the lineup at that point. Yeah. We got all your situations written down and then that's the law. I mean, what do you pay to ma- you pay a manager and you pay star players? You know, I've always just believed that analytics can drive your style of play, but they should they shouldn't drive your situational Situational baseball, situational football, situational basketball. I mean, coaches preach this kind of stuff, and they should support your your decisions in the time. I mean, analytics aren't are it's not law. You know what I mean? It's just because something's eighty one percent likely doesn't mean it's going to happen. And that's where the managers and the athletes. That's where you know the greatness comes, where people rise above the competitive spirit, the X factor, all that kind of stuff. You know, so it's just like I understand that supporting a style of play, but to dic- to dictate your situational baseball with athletes in those kind of moments is crazy to me. Yeah, totally. What are you paying? What are you paying the guy? Get, just pay the pay the kid at the end of the bench to be the manager. <laughs> so, all right, I, I I think that's enough about the game because I mean I want I really want to get into what this championship means to to us Los Angeles everybody i mean not only did LA sports fans get the lakers winning their first championship in 10 years the dodgers win their first championship in 32 years they win in the same year that happened only once before in 1988 when the lakers and dodgers won it and i mean we said it already on the show los angeles is the city of champions and i'm not hearing anything else other than that so which i also believe they're the only nba mlb pairing to yes win in the same year as they well. are they are so jacob i want to i want to start with you because me and you i i think what we're a year apart from each other i'm, I'm a year older than about you. give or take yeah um this is our first dodgers championship i don't i don't i don't honestly know your history of going to to games growing up or anything like that like what what did this Dodgers championship mean to you and what was it like last night getting to celebrate that well it means a lot and it also I I guess just to start that you you go through the years of the Dodgers making the postseason and it's great that they win their division you know and hanging all the divisional banners you know getting to the to the um to the World Series a couple times but it's it's almost a letdown because you, they get so far, and obviously the deeper you go, the more it hurts when they lose. Uh, but seeing one in my lifetime is amazing because again, it's there it was always a what if, you know, when they get to the postseason, you're just so you're so um, gung ho on, on them maybe getting there to the World Series and winning it all. But every year, obviously, they run into a problem or they face a better team and they get knocked out. But just finally seeing it happen before your eyes, I think, is just almost it's so surreal. Uh, because obviously the last time it was done in 88, not something that we've seen in our lifetimes for most people uh, of our age, obviously have not seen it, you know, and they, again, are brought up by watching Dodger games with their family. Yeah. And I think that's what's so cool about baseball. It's such a generational sport where I think it's a little bit different from basketball and football because you don't really typically go to basketball games a lot when you're younger. You might, but it's such more expensive, expen- it's more expensive, the tickets especially are- here in Los Angeles with oh, the Lakers and, big time. and 
I mean, Dodger tickets are so much more inexpensive than Laker tickets. The Lakers could suck, and they still are 100 apiece, you know, yeah. and those are for the cheap seats. But I think what's great about Dodger baseball is you can go as a kid, you know, and you, you take your mitt, you, you know, you take your bat as a kid, and, you know, you, you hope to catch a foul ball or a home run, you know, if, if you know, the gods You're are on your the right side. Seat. Exactly, yep. yeah. So you go with all that hope as a kid. But, again, generational sport because if you go with, let's just say, your grandparents or, you know, a cousin or even your parents – they maybe have watched Dodger baseball and they were alive in 88 when they won. So I think it's kind of cool because there's, you know, there's cross examination of, you know, different generations saying like, Hey, I saw uh, them win in 88 and now you get to see one in 2020. And it's just, it's great because even if you don't really like baseball that much, you still have fun at the games. You know, some people don't like watching it on TV all the time. Um, I mean, baseball is more fun in person. I'll be the first one. If, if let's just say like the pirates and I don't know, you know, um, the Brewers, the, yeah, the Brewers are playing. I, I'm not really gonna watch that game, but again, in person, it's so much more fun to watch, and I think that's what's great. It kind of brings people together, and so again, watching this unfold last night and finally doing it, I think the Dodgers and all of the LA fans just finally had like a weight lifted off of their shoulders. Oh, hundred um, percent, Tyler. I'll go. I'll go to you next because I I want to go last because I'm I don't know if I'll start crying because I've cried multiple times today, so I'll I'll let you. Uh, say your piece I, I, I'm interested to hear your perspective uh, I know you kind of touched on it already but being an LA transplant and seeing this eight-year run and it, it finally getting capped off what was that like you know well uh, what's funny is I've, I've never I've never lived in a city when they won a championship ever in pro sports until 2020 and then so it comes bang bang and you know <laughs> I, uh, since, since I've moved to Los Angeles, the Lakers started their playoff drought and the Dodgers started their playoff run. And so to see a bowl capped off in the same year and just experience what it's like to be in a city when they win a, a world championship, you know, unfortunately the Seahawks won it in 2013 when I left. So I wasn't, I didn't live in that area when the Seattle won it, uh, their only championship of my lifetime. And then I lived in Washington when the Lake show won it um, with Kobe. So it's it's been a it's been a cool experience as a sports fan to finally be in a city and uh, see it in this way. You know, the whole time I've been there, the Dodgers just kind of been working towards this moment and to kind of see them cap it off. It's a uh, it's a pretty cool experience. I wish we could get a parade in, but uh, that's all right. I mean, hey, Eric Garcetti responded to LeBron on Twitter and said, "Let's talk." So. They're going to try and figure something out when it's safe. Uh, I know both teams want to <laughs> want to do something. Um, well, and if, if it's not a, you know, and if it's not a parade, it could be something else. But it, yeah. it, it's uh, it's cool to be here and, and uh, experience it all. Jacob, what did you do to celebrate? Did you, like, was there any champagne where you were at or anything? Well, like, yeah. Were you with your family and all yeah, that? Well, I was at home, so I watched um, – I watched the game and then I had a drink afterwards. Okay. Um, I, I still have to get up for work early, so I didn't go too crazy. <laughs> but I think I think just being with people who appreciate Dodger baseball and who are fans and family members, friends, coworkers, I think that's a celebration in itself from for my at least me personally. Yeah. No, I mean I had I I got well, I know I know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, of course it, it was a champagne if shower. If any more LA teams keep winning, you're gonna have a drinking problem. No, I mean, hey, I'm I'm doing a champagne shower <laughs> every time we win now that I'm of age. I didn't do it when I was younger, yeah. but um, no, I mean, I don't even know where to start for me personally because I got to work the game. Well, I think that's an experience in itself to be part of it. Exactly. You 
Like I'm You're getting paid to cut highlights, well, watch highlights, you know, work. Forget about it, yeah. I don't even care about the pay. I know, but that's what's cool about it. It's like it, it shouldn't even feel like a job. It, no, it, it doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't at all. And I mean I I was lucky enough to be able to work the game and help out grabbing highlights and grabbing post game interviews with players during the celebration on the field. Um when they won, I was in the next studio down from us down the hall in in the AM570 studio. And when that final out hit, I, I started crying. And I, I've cried multiple times today, listening to coverage, watching highlights. Um, I mean, it's this Dodgers championship means more to me than the Lakers championship this year because this is something I've never seen before. And I'm, I went to games growing up with my family, my grandparents, my uncles, and shit. I just, uh, I mean, I remember one of the first games I went to, Kevin Brown was a pitcher and he hit a home run in that game. And that was the first time I ever saw a pitcher hit a home run. I, I remember guys, I mean, Sean Green, my favorite baseball player of all time, the first Jewish athlete I ever looked up to played for the Dodgers. And I, I remember guys like Cesar Torres, Adrian Beltre early on in his career, uh, Rafael for call, um, Takashi Saito, Eric Gagne, Jonathan Broxton, some of the closers that the Dodgers have had over the years during my lifetime. Uh, the Manny Ramirez trade, Juan Pierre. Um, I, I I can go on listing names uh, of guys, but, I mean, also, I mean, I can't believe we haven't even mentioned this yet, but I'm happy for Vin Scully and Tommy Lasorda for both getting to see another Dodgers World Series championship again as they get older in life and yeah and they're and the, the crazy thing about that is that they're not even part of the organization working for them but they're still part of it and when They'll always be part of the Dodgers when family. there were fans at games Tommy was always there Vin supporting the team since his retirement see I knew I wasn't gonna be able to get through this without crying Damn it. Um, Tyler said it. I'm I'm happy for guys like Kershaw and Jansen, uh, the first and second longest tenured guys on the Dodgers roster. Two guys who had a certain stigma in the postseason. Kershaw for much longer than Jansen, but Jansen has been so up and down this year. Uh, and for game four, the end, for game four to end the way that it did, um so happy that Kenley Jansen's a World Series champion now. And it was really cool getting to hear post-game uh, Kenley talk about him starting out as a catcher and then transitioning into being a pitcher and then him and Kershaw being in the minors at the same time. And he was Kershaw's catcher in the minor leagues and, and just that relationship that those two guys have. And then Tyler mentioned it about Kershaw. This undoubtedly gets the monkey off of Kershaw's back. He... He had two wins in this World Series and was great in both performances. He's a World Series champion. 
He's the greatest pitcher of this generation. Nobody can take that away from him. Um, I'm happy for the main core guys that has been through so many ups and downs uh, on this team the last eight years of winning the division, but not being able to get it done in the playoffs. And then especially the guys on the last uh, two World Series teams from 17 and 18. And uh, this year, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's 10 guys on this team that were uh, on both of those teams. I think it's uh, Kershaw, Bellinger, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Pedro Baez, Kenley Jansen, um, and a, a couple, uh, Kike Hernandez, Chris Taylor, and then, oh, and I think Alex Wood. So I guess that's 10. Alex Wood was too. Yeah, that's 10. Um, that's the 10. So, I mean, I, as you guys can hear, I've, I haven't been able to, to, keep myself together as I'm talking about what this championship means to me as a fan. Um, I'm 26 years old. And uh, if you guys want to know what it's like to, to be someone mine or Jacobs or, or even really around Tyler's age, um, go read on truebluela.com Blake Harris's article uh, Blake Harris, he's a 24-year-old writer for for that website. It's a it's a Dodger uh, blog. He did a, an incredible job, uh, just recapping our entire lives and this entire generation's of Dodger fans' lives of witnessing their first World Series in their lifetimes. Because it's not something you thought could happen or you didn't know when it was going to happen i think that's that's a better way to put it and we thought in 17 that was the best dodgers team we've ever seen and for them to get cheated out of that world series by the houston asterisks and then in 18 i know boston was a better team but they also had some cheating allegations and it wasn't to the extent that the houston astros were doing but there was an mlb investigation there was a punishment for them that that's just the fact um, so, and I, I know you mentioned Kershaw, but I forgot to really touch up on him, but I think if there's one player who extremely deserves this ring, it, it's him seeing him and the camera angle from him being in the bullpen, running out f- from the bullpen to the center of the, the diamond to, to celebrate with his teammates running with his hands up, tears coming down his eyes. And him really not sprinting. He wasn't trying to get to that celebration fast. He was no. He was letting it just soak in. Yeah, he he was really savoring the moment. Um, yeah, I mean Kershaw's been my favorite Dodger since he's been on the team. I, because love him or hate him, and there's a lot of people who give him crap. Obviously for his postseason struggles. I've defended past. I've defended him so many times uh, on this show, but you, but on you social cannot, media. You, but you cannot sit there and deny it and say that he is an awful pitcher during the regular season. He's put up numbers, and this I think just solidifies him as and, one of the one of the greatest. And he's now done it in the postseason. He did it uh, against the Nationals to get to the World Series in seventeen, and. When he closed that game out, he did it this year in the postseason. He did it in the World Series this year, getting two victories. And See, he's not different than any other superstar athlete in an NFL or NBA. They, 
every every iconic player you go through always has that monkey on their back. They always have to get past a better team. And they always have their postseason struggles. They always have that hump to get exactly. over. Exactly. Jordan had the same thing with the Pistons. And, okay? and trying to live up to Magic and Larry in terms it, of GOAT status. Exactly. So same thing with Kershaw. Kershaw comes in. He has a great beginning of his, of his, uh, of his career. Look, he has postseason struggles, but finally caps it off with the World Series. Yeah. No one more deserving on this team than him. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't really. I I think I got everything out that I that I wanted to say, Tyler. I don't know. Do you have anything else you wanted to to touch on? I don't know what your thoughts were with me, fucking losing it just now. No, you guys, <laughs> uh, you guys are good. You guys are good fans. Uh, LA, you know, I give LA a hard time because I think there's a lot of like, you know. I think there's a lot of fans that just come and go and, and have bad attitudes towards their athletes. You guys stayed solid. Um, and I hope that you realize, you know, this was eight years coming. You know, Mookie Betts was like a big-time free agent pickup. For, for the most part, these are Dodgers, and it was an eight-year process. And you, do, you those division banners do matter. Those regular season wins matter. Um, you know, it, this hits different than the Lakers because – it's more you feel more attached to it because they're your guys out there. You know what I mean? And that's what I think that that's what, you know, hometown sports are all about, which sometimes it's hard for the Lakers because you're such a, or not the Lakers, but LA in general, because you're such a big market and the free agency thing is such a, and there's so many uh, transplants here in Los Angeles that are rooting for other teams, not in LA. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh it, it's uh, this is a good one you know this shows you keep keep with your shit stay stay solid keep building um and and it all matters in the end it feels a lot better in the end you know yeah and that and that's the thing especially with the dodgers i know uh especially since the new front office and ownership group took over and they got the four billion dollar tv contract and they were making a lot of big signings like zach granke manny machado the trade for manny uh, uh, Manny Machado and then trading for Mookie Betts it's they were going out and spending money and making big moves but they were also developing their farm system and having guys come up through their system and those guys actually succeeding Corey Seager and uh, Cody Bellinger winning back-to-back rookie of the years Kershaw's from the the Los Angeles farm system Jansen's from the farm system Chris Taylor's from the uh or Chris Taylor's not from the farm system, but um, Walker Bueller's part of the system. Uh, Will Smith, who came up big in in moments uh, at the plate. Um, I mean, the Dodgers didn't buy this championship at all. They they have homegrown talent, but they also made the right moves with big name players in terms of trades and free agency along the way. Well, I think to, to put probably, them over the top. Mookie's probably their biggest trade. Yeah, I, I mean that that in recent years. only because he ended up signing the the extension. In a massive Manny, deal. If Manny Machado ends up signing the extension, Mookie Betts isn't a Dodger. Yeah, but I never really wanted Machado. <laughs> no, but a lot of people did, and he was or still is one of the best players in all of baseball. Um, it's just there were some other issues that he just didn't mesh with the Dodgers team, and it didn't work out. But yeah, so I mean, that's. That's pretty much all I got, I think. I mean, Jacob, do you have anything else you wanted to say about in terms of the celebration and, and what it meant? 
No, again, well, actually, Tyler mentioned it earlier. It just sucks that L.A. can't celebrate this here, you know, with a parade of some sort. I know LeBron said something to Garcetti, but this you saw it unfold on the news if, if you watch coverage after the oh, game. But It was worse than the Lakers. Yeah, but I think it's just everybody was more— I don't know, I kind of got a little bit different vibe, though, than when the Lakers won. It just seemed to me like people were genuinely happy. Where I think when the Lakers won, I think there was more cars on fire. And no, there was still there was I, I there know, was looting last night. Not, not to say that there was not, but I'm just saying it just looked in different shots that I saw in the news that I think people were just more genuinely happy about the whole situation. Because again, this is across generations. Yes, you have people who were alive in '88 when they won, and then they go through this 32 year drought and they don't see them win again. But you also have people who were born in the '90s, early 2000s, and they're our age watching this series unfold and they're hoping for the best because again they've seen previous playoff runs and just seen how they've unfolded and they've how they fell short so yeah. i think really just kind of seeing all the fans out there last night and then just celebrating with each other like I, I mentioned yeah i had a drink last night but i think coming into work and texting people and saying like man i can't believe they finally did it and just seeing people go crazy on social media yeah i think to me that was just a celebration in itself that how many people were rooting for them I know there's a lot of Dodger haters. You could say that about, you know, half of the people in, in California, you know, yeah. with, with Padres fans and Angels fans. There's but, four teams, five teams here in L.A. But or hey, in California. I saw a lot of love. I also saw love from people who were not baseball fans, and they said, hey, you know what? It's been 32 years. This team deserved it. Yeah. Tyler, what were you going to say? It's, I mean, I think when you guys mentioned the game, you know, going to games and being affordable, and you know, that's where the connection to the community, I think, is, you know, I've seen a lot more. I think the Dodger fans are a lot more legit than the Laker fans. You know, no offense to the Lakers, but, you know, the Dodgers, I think these, I think the community is a lot closer to them. I think there is a lot more of, like, crying than yelling. Yeah. Now, I, I know I said I was going to stop mentioning players, but I did forget a few that were pretty important. I mean, guys like Andre Ethier, oh, you Matt Kemp, him. Adrian Gonzalez, Russell Martin. Um, I had some others that I thought of. Um but now they slipped my mind. But I, I I wanted to make sure I mentioned Matt Kemp, Andre Ethier, Adrian Gonzalez, Russell Martin, um, guys that came up and were parts of some runs in these uh, last eight years. And, because in their and minds, even before that, in their minds, that was their year too. Yeah. It just again, they there was other issues, or they met a better team in the, yeah. in the postseason. So all right, um, last thing for baseball before we uh, move on. I know. We got all of our celebrating out of the way, but we do have to talk about some serious stuff in the world of baseball because, like I mentioned in the in the game recap, Justin Turner had to get pulled from the game uh, before the start of the eighth inning, and it's because he reportedly tested positive for COVID-19. And this is all, – all the information I'm about to tell you in terms of the timeline of – the tests and when they were done and all of that it's coming from ESPN and their insider Jeff Passan so let me just break it down for you guys real quick Justin Turner reportedly test positive for COVID-19 he took a test Monday so the off day between games five and six the test came back on Monday inconclusive and then the league wasn't informed until the second inning of game six that that test came back inconclusive because that's how long it took for the test results to come back. The tests both teams took 
on Tuesday before game six came to the lab that the MLB is using in Utah late. Don't know how, don't know why. That is what is being reported. The tests came in late. Due to the inconclusive test that Justin Turner had got from Monday, his test from Tuesday was then ordered for rapid results, and those results didn't come back until the seventh inning of Game 6. Then Major League Baseball notified the Dodgers immediately, and the Dodgers pulled him from the game immediately before the start of the eighth inning, and he was supposed to isolate, but he refused, and once... Well, he isolated, and then once the game was over, he broke isolation and was obviously out there on the field celebrating with his team at, uh, teammates uh, once the game was over. He had a mask on at some points. He didn't have a mask on at other points. Um, I mean, me personally, yes, Justin should have been more cautious and respectful of others and stayed isolated and all of that, but I'm honestly, I, I'm not going to blame him completely. And I saw um, Major League Baseball pitcher Trevor Bauer came out and uh, he was pretty adamant uh, about not blaming just uh, Justin Turner in this. He, he believes that Major League Baseball does have some fault in this. And I mean, honestly, I agree with Trevor Bauer because ultimately how does Major League Baseball let a player who had an inconclusive test play in a game to begin with? And then on top of that, Justin Turner had already been around his teammates all day. He'd been in the clubhouse with them. He'd been out on the field with them and in the dugout with them. He said after the game in a tweet that he was asymptomatic and he just won the World Series. And he is the heart and soul of this Dodgers team. I, I, I can't stress that enough. And I know it's no excuse, but he, it's just, it is what it, it is what it is. He's the heart and soul of this team. And it was a once in a lifetime opportunity that he would have missed out on. And, and like I said, he should have stayed isolated, but he didn't. And now we're going to find out the ramifications in the next few days, next few weeks, next few months as Major League Baseball is launching an investigation into the situation. I'm praying that this somehow comes out as a false positive uh, because the initial test was inconclusive and then it came back as positive. So I got to imagine that they're rerunning tests and taking more tests. Uh, the Dodgers did fly back to Los Angeles tonight uh, they landed just a bit ago and, and got to Dodger Stadium via police escort. We were kind of watching it before we started recording uh, here in the studio. Um, but Justin Turner and his wife, Courtney, did not uh, fly back with the team. The, they are still in Texas, to my knowledge. Um, so, I mean, I don't even know what to make of this situation, guys. I know I had my thoughts on it, but, like, this is just, like, what the hell is going on? Uh, yeah, it's it's just a it's a bad look. It's just a bad look. I think you know it's. I don't necessarily know you know the ramifications of of like what, what you know the exposure he's putting people under or whatever or the you know how likely it is to spread it. 
But all I know is like the the play, you know, he made a decision for everybody when he went out on that field. He didn't make a decision for Justin Turner. You know, he, he you know, yeah, you were around your guys all all day or whatever, but you guys didn't know. And if you did know, you would have done, you would have acted differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's there's kid there's kids and wives and all this, uh, you know, reporters and and it's just a bad look. I, but, I don't necessarily know if you put people in danger. And I understand like you'd have to fight me to like keep me off that field. Uh, you know, so I understand from his perspective. I just think that the bad look in it is him kind of just making a decision. You know, it could be false positive too, but he made a decision. Like I I was just tested positive for COVID. But I don't care. I'm gonna go out here anyways. You know. But also, did the but Tyler on on the, on the same hand, and, and Trevor Bauer brought this up in, in his points. It's was the league thinking about the players when they are supposed to be in this bubble atmosphere down in Texas, but then allows eleven and a half thousand fans into the game? No, and I no, and I don't agree with any of it. I mean, we were pretty. I mean, vocal about being against. Basically right. sports being played right now in general, especially with like fans. I mean, there was a ton of people in that stadium. Yeah. It, uh, it looked and like probably 10,000 of them were like, Dodger fans. It looked like real life again, you know? So, um, I mean, I, I definitely think that there's like the investigation is going to bring to light some, some things that were either done shady, you know, like, or, or mishandled. Um, but ultimately I bet he gets fined. Yeah, and what's interesting is he's a free agent now, so it's it's going to be interesting it's to see uh, if he gets suspended, yeah. it, what what the fine yeah. looks like. So, Jacob, we'll, like, we'll, especially you know if the, if they're actually told to be quarantined and he breaks quarantine, there's like laws against that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, and I could definitely see a fine coming. And yeah, I mean, it was all part of the the joint agreement between the players' association and Major League Baseball that there are protocols that you have to follow if you test positive and he broke those. So, I mean, Jacob, what what were your thoughts on what happened? Well, it's funny you mentioned that the protocols, because I also read in an article that um, they just, they agreed that yes, if you broke protocols, it was going to be a penalty, but they didn't really just say what those penalties were. I, I think, think they were going to do it yeah, on a case by case basis. I think that's the tough part. But as far as a suspension, that is weird because again, his contract is up. He is a free agent. Um, but I think Tyler put it best. I think if anything happens, I think he'll get a fine. Um, at the least. At the least, yeah, he'll get a fine. I I would hope that, yeah, I guess they reprimand him and just give him the fine, but, again, this is a really tough subject, though, because, yes, he put people at risk because, yeah, he tests positive, but I also, I also don't see why the league had to announce it right away. You know what I mean? The league didn't announce it. I know. The network did. I know. Well, and, yeah, that's what and, I meant, Fox. But and, and Trevor Bauer brought that up as, like, HIPAA stuff because did Justin Turner want that knowledge no. being public? I See, I think this is where it gets, it gets a little bit tricky. If he wanted it public, then sure, but I doubt that he would want that public. I doubt he knew it was public exactly, at the time. Exactly. So maybe Fox is going to have to get involved with this at some Fox sort. Fox is probably yeah. going to get in trouble for it. So... Because that was in, in their agreement that if a player tested positive, they weren't going to reveal the name of it. Obviously, you would kind of put two and two together if you don't see him come out for the eighth inning. No, everybody was questioning it, and, yeah. and it wasn't until after the game that it came out. Because, again, you can say back spasms, something's not feeling right, you pull him from the game. But I think it's just a little bit fishy when you pull him at the, at the seventh and say he's not coming back in. Turner had 
only not finished one game before that in the postseason, and it was a blowout victory for the Dodgers. So it was like it, it was understandable why he was getting taken out at the time. Yeah, but this one, no. But you don't have to announce it, though. I think that's where the issue lies. Again, Fox right. is the one who said it, and I'm pretty sure in the players' agreement, when when they were breaking this this down as far as the bubble, how the tests are going to be, what happens if you break the protocol, it was it was mentioned that you should not mention the player's name who tests positive for it. Yeah. So again, I, mean, I read an article today that it was um, yeah. a wife of a race player tested positive. They didn't say the name of the race player nor his wife. They just kept it anonymous. Yeah. And and realistically, did baseball like and this this it goes back to a conspiracy theory that people were talking about. It's like. Did baseball know about this before the game and they didn't want to postpone the World Series and they just wanted to see if the Dodgers won game six and then deal with it later kind of thing? So it's, I mean, yeah, there's you, a yeah, lot you of... you start getting into conspiracy stuff. I guess you could think what you want. There's a lot of parties at fault for the, uh, in this scenario. There, there, yeah. There, and, was some operational, there was some operational uh, stuff going wrong for sure in this. Well, and even well, the test getting to the I lab late. Justin fucked up. Well, yeah, no, Justin I mean, did fuck up. I think that there was a lot of operational issues somewhere along the lines, but Justin, I just, you got to take the virus serious, even though everyone doesn't, you know, it's just, I feel like you got to take a, when the whole world's on a pandemic, you've got to take this thing serious and you can't make decisions for everybody, you know, did all the, you know, he, was he around all the fans before? Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really uh, a tough scenario and like i said i mean we're gonna find out the ramifications in the next few days weeks and months well see the thing is that if he tested positive then somebody had to have broken this bubble that they were in in texas to who a, knows to a degree because he's been around these guys for what weeks i mean it could have just been from a fan at one of these games there i don't i'm to if i remember correctly i heard on KLAC AM570 LA Sports, they were talking about the bubble and and fans being at the games, and it's like, if I remember correctly, and don't take my word for this, but I'm pretty sure they were not taking temperature checks like at the stadium. Well, it's just it's it for doesn't four even fans. matter if he it just doesn't even matter if he had it or not. You know what I'm saying? Like. Even if it is a false positive, it's just the decision he made yeah. and how baseball media and the Dodgers handled it. Like the, it, you know, that's what is the matter. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks bad on everybody for sure. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's very it's going to be very interesting to see what what the results are of this investigation that Major League Baseball is conducting. So, uh, I know this has been a lot of baseball talk. This is probably the most we've talked baseball on the TSK show, but. The Dodgers won the, fir the first championship in my lifetime and Jacob's lifetime and technically not Tyler's lifetime, but he was just born in the middle of the World Series the last time in 1988. So uh, we'll count it as the first time in his lifetime too. But, yeah. I mean, we, I mean I would, I'm trying to transition. This is going very poorly, but... Let's just let's do it. Yeah, let's just hit let's the gridiron. <laughs> I'm just about that action, boss. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. That's why we took the damn field. I'm just here so I won't get fired. Great cash, homie. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's as good an effort as I've ever seen in my life from a running back. Don't you ever talk about me. Well, 
Tyler, how'd you do in fantasy? I was two and one. Okay. Two and one, not too bad. Uh, want, want, a, uh, want another nail biter. Yeah, I was, uh, I unfortunately was one and two. So I, uh, the one victory I had, though, it was, it was a great comeback victory in the TSK Show League. It was against former champion Chad Johnson. And get this, I was down going into the Monday night football matchup 136 to 87.8 and 45 you're down like 45 points or something right yeah I think 47 so. points yeah and I still had Jared Goff Cooper Cup Jalen Ramsey and then the Rams defense to still go on my team and all of Chad's team had gone I end up winning 137.06 to 136 and it was all thanks to the Jalen Ramsey interception and then the last sack that the Rams got in last sack baby that's what got it for you in the fourth quarter and it was I think it was even inside the two minute drill um so I'm now four and three in the TSK show fantasy football league still on the outside looking in at the playoffs, but it feels great to be over 500 right where you want to be over the halfway point now. Yes. Yes. It feels, it feels good uh, in the TSK show league, but I'm in last place in the Valley village invitational at one and six this week. I'm going up against the first place six and one team, but somehow Tom Brady and Scotty Miller were on the waiver wire, and I was able to pick them both up. So I'm shaking things up a little bit with that team. Hopefully it'll turn around and I can get a little bit more respect, respectable of a, of a record. And then uh, I'm 2-5 and five in the League of Fools. Nothing really to, to write home about in that league. I'm Like I said, I'm just I'm holding out hope on the TSK Show Fantasy Football League and, and making the playoffs there. Um, Tyler, what, what are your other records in your other leagues? Well, I'm doing horrible in the in the Blue Dog League. Um, just getting crushed every week. Everyone's having great games against me. Uh, so I'm like two and five in that league. Um, I'm four and three in Jordan Carlson's league. Shout out Jordan, longtime listener. Yes, sir. Uh, and then five and two in, our, in the TSK Show League, sitting in at the the third third or fourth spot. So. Um, I like my team moving forward, and uh, I'm ready to chase the chip in the TSK show league. All righty. So, I mean, it's you're doing much better than I am, to to say the least. It's 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 been an interesting year so far. And yeah, and I mean, with with all of the schedule changes, it's it's really thrown a, another curveball. Yeah, it's fun. So, all right. Uh, before we get into the power rankings, uh, I have to tell you about our new sponsor, Fitness Ablaze Training Center. Fitness Ablaze Training Center, located in Olympia, Washington, provides clients with professionally designed fitness and or nutrition programs. We uh, Fitness Ablaze Training Center trains a variety of different clientele, including 
the general population, athletes, elders, youth, and anyone else who is interested in improving their overall performance and quality of life. Programs include personal training, semi-private personal training, team or group training, nutrition coaching, and online slash remote coaching. TSK Show listeners can get either a seven-day free trial or 30% off your first month of training just by mentioning TSK Show. Or you can go to fitnessablaze.com for more details. All right, Tyler, take it away with the TSK Show Power Rankings for Week 8. All right, so I'm going to start in uh, real quick at number 10. Um, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans at 5-1, and one, coming off an L to Pittsburgh, who's uh, obviously looking like uh, they're the last undefeated team. Uh, you know, I think Clowney's going to get better. Uh, they have they have what they need in the offense with Tannehill and King Henry. It looks like A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are becoming more productive. And they lead the league uh, with tur- in turnovers. With, they have nine turnovers on defense. Um, only three teams in the NFL have six. They have nine. Uh, so I like Tennessee's like balanced uh, football roster. And like I said last week, they, it seems like they're taking the identity of their coach um, and Coach Brable, which is I think is a good thing. Uh, and they're going to be there down the stretch. Coming at number nine, I got the Los Angeles Rams. The team trying to complete the the trifecta for the city of champions. They're coming off a big win on Monday Night Football against the Bears. Um, they're this, this is a team where I think the formula is like they've got a dominant special teams unit, um, probably the best punter in the game, and uh, they've got a great great defense, arguably the best defense, definitely a top five. You take the defense and special teams. You add in Coach McVay. I think this is a playoff team. Um, you know, they're, they're third in sacks, they're, they're fifth against the pass, and they're second in scoring defense. They're only allowing 17.7 points a game. So, if McVay's got an offense, uh, I think he can score 18. So, they're looking good moving forward. Um, coming, in, coming in at number eight, I got the Buffalo Bills at five and two, coming off the dub uh, against the Jets. Um, I think that Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley are probably the most underrated wide receiver duo in the league this year. Uh, both putting up incredible numbers. Uh, and I think that this Buffalo Bills team, it's finally safe to say, is going to be the one to dethrone the Patriots. Uh, so that's, I mean, this is kind of a, a historic season. Um, they went from being the longest Super Bowl, they went from being the longest playoff drought in the league to now looking like they can dethrone the Pats. Um, coming in at number seven, I got the New Orleans Saints at four and two, coming off the win against the Panthers. This is probably my most overrated team on my list just because of Breeze and Peyton. I didn't look at other people's lists this week, but I assume uh, people don't have New Orleans that high just because uh, I think they're not as sexy as they used to be. They're relying on the run and their defense a little bit more, but I only think that that helps them in a playoff scenario when you have a head coach and quarterback combo like them. Uh, coming in at number six, I got the uh, Green Bay Packers at 5-1, and one, coming off the dub against the Texans. Um, statistically, this team didn't jump off the page to me at all. Uh, it's just, man, they got Aaron Rodgers, um, and I think that he puts them in a position to win. Devontae Adams is, is unstoppable. Aaron Jones is, is unstoppable, it seems. Um, so this team's going to be a threat purely because Aaron Rodgers is dialed in. Uh, I'm really, really praying for a Green Bay Seattle NFC Championship game. Uh, coming in at the top five, we're going to start out with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, probably just because they're coming off a bye, so I haven't seen them. Uh, they picked up a couple guys, Des Bryant and uh, Ngakwe. Uh, you know, they're just making those Super Bowl type of moves. They're trying to get it done this year. 
Um, they need more production from the supporting guys on the offense. Uh, Lamar Jackson is not getting the help that he got last year, and I think that's the difference in this team. Um, they're they're the best scoring defense in the NFL. They allow the fewest amount of points. Um, they just need the, with the baseball reference. They just need the run support. Um, coming at number four, I got my Seattle Seahawks coming off of tough L to Arizona. Um, I definitely my first note of this game is I definitely believe we lost that game. Uh, Russ wins us so many of those type of games. Uh, we are almost unbeatable when we hold a lead late in the game. But, you know, we lost this one. There was, you know, there was a couple mishaps with Seattle. Uh, and, you know, we're lucky DK chased down Boudet. It could have been an even worse loss than it was. Uh, so on a positive note, though, Seattle, I think, is one of the – is probably the best passing team in the NFL. Uh, we added Carlos Dunlap to help that defensive pressure out, uh, which is our biggest kind of uh, weakness, you would say. And then – I liked. Uh, I, I think Shaquem Griffin gets a shout out. He looked really good in the quarterback spy against Kyler Murray. So maybe in this loss, we found a good piece moving forward, uh, just in case we run into a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson in the or a Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. It's going to be nice to throw in Shaquem as a spy, knowing that he looked really good in that position. Um, Coming in at number three, I got the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers coming off the dub against the Titans. Uh, I, I still, you know, I, I still have to reserve them from the top two purely because the top two, not necessarily because of Pittsburgh. Uh, I just think the top two are just a better team. Uh, but anyways, Pittsburgh's won six in a row. The next best is three games. The next, next best win streak is three games. So they're just by far the hottest team in the league. Uh, they probably have the best defense in the league. Um, they're, t- they're top 10 in almost every single defensive team's category. They lead the league in sacks. Um, this Pittsburgh team is very balanced. I just, uh, um, these top two teams are, are looking like the favorites to me right this, this week. And I'm going to start with Tampa Bay at number two. Uh, they're five and two coming off a win against Las Vegas. I think they got the best offense in the league. They're the number one scoring team in the league. They have a laundry list of big names on there. And their defense is making championship plays. They've got their second in the league in sacks and their first, uh, their first in the league against run. So basically, if you can't run the ball against these guys, and if you drop back and pass it, they get to you. Um, you're kind of fucked. And and on top of that, you got to score 30 plus points. So um, Tampa Bay's got the the recipe for success moving forward with Brady. And then number one, I think, is everybody's number one is Kansas City. That last week, they had that special teams touchdown with Pringle, a pick six with Sorensen, a rushing touchdown, and a passing touchdown. I think they're the most complete team of the league. They're scary on paper. Uh, second in the league in points. Uh, they're the best team against the pass in the NFL. They've forced the second of the most amount of turnovers. And it's tough to score 30 points against someone if you can't pass the ball and you turn it over. So they are my favorites. All right, so why don't you run it back 1 through 10 real quick, and then uh, we'll get to the picks of the week. All right, we're going to go Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Baltimore, Green Bay, and then New Orleans, Buffalo, Los Angeles Rams, and the Titans. All right. Jacob, how did you do in your picks for Week 7? Actually, Week 7 was a pretty good week for me. I went 11-3. and three. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was a really good week. <laughs> I honestly could have went 12-2, um, and uh, two. 
But if it hadn't been for that stupid Falcons game, uh, which I picked the Falcons, I should have never done that. Came down to the wire. Yeah, too. and I know that's why I'm pissed. But eleven and three, and then overall seventy two and, and thirty three. And then Browns, right? Oh yeah. The, well, no, I think I picked. Yes, actually. So that Browns game. No, not the Browns game. It was Washington and Cowboys. That's the other oh, game that you screwed had, me up. You had the Cowboys. I had the Cowboys. Yeah. Also a stupid mistake. So did I. It's okay. Uh, so what's your overall record? Overall, 72 and 33. There you go. Okay. Tyler, what about you? We are tight, man. I'm 10 and 4, uh, 71 and 34. So one game. Son of one a One game back. Bitch. So you're last right now. Yes, I'm back in last place. God damn it. So Jacob went 11 and 3. It was a, g- a great week for me. Tyler went 10 and 4 and I went 9 and 5. My overall record is 70 and 35. I, I think what was what yeah. was good about that too is that Sunday I was out with uh, some friends in Arts District, you know, we were just drinking and stuff and I was just letting my Social record distance, of course. Of course, yeah. I was having a couple beers, you know, letting my record unfold for itself. <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention to it. We're gonna Unbelievable. We're going to have to take start taking spreads. Make it so fair. Disparity. I got I got them this week. Done. So I'm not oh well, I guess I'm prepared. Okay. Well, we we can start it next week, so we we all can right, have a full week it. to prepare. But all right, let's let's get into okay. these games and and finish up this episode. All right, Thursday night, we got like Jacob just mentioned, the Atlanta Hawks coming in at 1 and 6. The Hawks. Ah! Damn it. Again. <laughs> the Hawks are the Hawks are always having to play. That's right. Tony Snell, too. Okay. He's playing. Get this. Get this. I had to correct it when I got to the studio, but last night when I was drunk making my notes, drinking champagne, uh, I had re- wrote down instead of Detroit Lions, Detroit Pistons, and I had to fix it when I got into the studio. So that was That's all right. Uh, I did it again. All right. Let's try this again. Thursday night football. You gotta start. You got to start calling the Atlanta Atlanta teams just the Dirty Birds. So then you're good no matter what. You're right. All right. The Atlanta Dirty Birds, the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> at 1-6. and six. Like we said, coming off the tough last-second loss to the Detroit Lions, they're taking on their NFC South foe, the Carolina Panthers, who are coming in at 3-4. and four. They lost by a field goal to the New Orleans Saints. I got Carolina winning this game just because I have – Zero faith in Atlanta. <laughs> exactly and what defense. I just said like two minutes ago. <laughs> yes. So I'm I'm going Carolina. Tyler, I'm assuming you're going Carolina, but it wouldn't shock me if you went Atlanta. No, I'm going Atlanta off the tough. I got I got I got man, I'm just here for these guys. It's just so heartbreaking to watch this <laughs> franchise. Uh I gotta root for them. They they have talent. But man, they gotta blow this shit up. I think they gotta They've got to completely rebuild the team around the wide receivers and just move on. Matt, I don't know if Matt Ryan needs to go or not, but they should probably reassess it. Yeah, they got to they got to do something. You know, I'm, I'm thinking at least draft a quarterback in the first round just to put the pressure on. Yeah, I mean they got to do something, and I mean if if they're going to have a high draft pick, you might as well go quarterback at this point. Mm-hmm. So, Jacob, you're not picking Atlanta two oh, weeks in a there row. There is no way. Uh, after that loss, there's no <laughs> way. But if they win this week, I'd be very pissed, though. <laughs> so, but I'm, i got to go with Bridgewater in Carolina. Well, Bridgewater, he's in New Orleans, so you're going with... Uh... Oh, jeez. No, he's no, not he's with... Right. No, wait, wait, you know what? Why am I listening to... <laughs> wait, why am I listening to Eric? He just said the the, the Hawks. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I'm, <laughs> sti- I'm sticking with my first pick. You want to just take the next yeah. game? <laughs> Carolina Panth- Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> 
All right. I'm having an I've I've been an emotional wreck today, folks. I don't know what you want from me. I, it's the Dodgers are world champions. I don't I don't nobody can tell me shit right now. You start forgetting people on rosters. Champions. The Dodgers are world champions and the Hawks are playing the Panthers. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's let's move on to Sunday. The the New England Patriots, they're taking on little brother now turning big brother. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, New England coming off a crushing blowout loss to the San Francisco 49ers by 27 points. And then the Buffalo Bills coming off a win uh, by eight points over the New York Jets. But they had a slow start and were actually down to the Jets. Uh, I believe it was 10 to nothing at one point uh, in that game. Tyler mentioned it in the power rankings and that the the tide is kind of turning in this division with with Buffalo and New England. Uh, I got Buffalo winning this game, but it also, I, I feel like I say it every week, but it wouldn't shock me if Bill Belichick were able to figure out a way to, to sneak one out. But It's never going to shock you for Bill Belichick to win a game. You know, no. like if he beats Kansas City or he beats the Jets, it's just, it's not going to, you know, you're always going to be like, Oh, well, that makes sense. It's the Patriots. You know? Yeah, but them also losing that's, by 27 to the 49ers with the way the 49ers yeah. have been playing, that's like, whoa, no. what the hell? And, well, and that's why I think that this game is very important for the Bills to kind of, it's like symbolize it and the ceremony and the passing of the torch. It's them planting their flag. This, they need to beat this team up all four quarters until the very end, and if they have a chance, they run that score up. They need to leave no doubt. Because if they fuck around and lose this game, Miami's playing, like, really good defense. I know it's crazy to say, but they're 3-3, three and three and they're about to put their kid in. And so, uh, you never know. You you can't be Buffalo and get your third loss right now uh, and, and give New England kind of the mental, uh, you know, the mental edge that they've had for all these years. Uh, you need to finish this uh symbolically and put them away and i think they're gonna do it i got buffalo yeah i, I mean i couldn't agree more with what you said the, this 100 percent needs to be a statement game for the buffalo bills and, and i think they make that statement as well tyler what about you jacob i gotta go with the bills on this one too the patriots look good in the beginning of the season but now i think they're really showing for what they are this i think year. it's i i think the amount of guys on defense and and what they meant to that defense and them pulling out of this season and not participating for whatever the reason was. And then also, I think their offense is just one-dimensional with, with Cam Newton as the quarterback. Yeah, and, and honestly, this is where you're kind of seeing the pull-away between earlier in the season. when Actually, when the season first started, you said, is it going to be Belichick who succeeds or is it going to be Brady? Now you're really seeing Brady succeed more. Yeah, I was going to get to that when we, we got to Tampa, but no, the, no doubt. So, all right, next matchup we got is the Tennessee Titans coming off the loss uh to the Pittsburgh Steelers their first loss of the year they're going to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals uh Titans are five and one Bengals are one five and one the Bengals coming off a tough last second loss to the Cleveland Browns um I don't think it was talked about enough in the Tennessee Titans game the fact that they had to play I believe it was like three games in like 13 days uh, based off of the schedule changes uh, happening because of uh, COVID-19. I, I think that was something uh, that I heard. I, I can't remember. But Tennessee, they're, they are a very good football team this year. And with Cincinnati having a rookie quarterback, 
and losing the way that they did. And I know Joe Burrow's putting up numbers. Um, I just think Tennessee's going to be too much for them. So uh, I got Tennessee winning that game. Jacob, what about you? Yeah, there's nobody on this team stopping Derrick Henry. Yeah. Unless he's on a different team, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what other team no. he would be on. No, okay. no. Derrick Henry. He's on the Titans? He's on okay. the Titans. All right. Safe to say. <laughs> All right, uh, Tyler, yeah. what about you? I think Tennessee gets the, the easy win, and Cincinnati's just got to continue to develop Joe Burrow. They got a good one. Um, Marcus Spears on NFL Live today uh, had a nice little bit on it. It's like, Cincinnati, you got to spend the next three years drafting players purely with Joe Burrow in mind, and You've got to get linemen, and you got to get skilled players, and you got to try to win, win a Super Bowl while you got this kid. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I couldn't agree more. So, all right, the next matchup we got is the Las Vegas Raiders coming in at three and three. They're coming off a loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are going to Cleveland to take on the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland is five and two. Uh, they are coming off a big time turnaround performance from Baker Mayfield. Uh, he started out 0-5. He threw the interception where Odell Beckham Jr. tears his ACL trying to run down the Bengals' defender, and now Odell Beckham Jr. is out for the year. Baker started 0-5, and then he was, I know for a fact, it was 15-15 for 15 after that. And I think it even got as high as 18-18. for 18. Um, But I think with him and the Browns losing their main weapon on offense in terms of Odell Beckham Jr., at least in, in the receiving core. I know they have Jarvis Landry, but OBJ is the number one there. Uh, I got the Raiders coming in and winning this game on the road. So Of course you do. <laughs> I got Cleveland winning this game for sure. Five and two, baby. They're looking good. Um, you know, I think that Baker had a lot of chemistry with Sean Higgins before Odell and G. Landry came in, so uh, I think there's a lot. There's a lot to you know when you don't have a tr- when your number one goes out, maybe you distribute the ball around a little more. So and and statistically, Baker's played better when Odell's not in the lineup. Uh, they have the stud. They, I think they have a good enough defense to compete uh, for a playoff spot. And I definitely got to win in this game. No, I got to go with the Raiders on this one. Uh, the Browns have been tough to pick for me week by week. I think it just depends on their matchup. But this one, regardless of what I have to say about the Raiders, their offensive line is holding them really well this year. So I think that they protect Derek Carr, and I think he has another game like the one he had against uh, the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. It, I think that game is going to be very back and forth. So I, I think that it has the potential of being one of the better games. Yeah, uh, honestly, in the it could be really interesting or kind of really ugly. Yeah. So also, uh, also, I'd like to add going zero and five. And throwing a pick and coming back and playing strong is extremely hard to do. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, huge, huge. Baker, Baker, yeah. Yeah, no, huge performance from Baker for sure, especially after starting out 0 for 5. But, all right, the next matchup we got is the Indianapolis Colts coming in at 4-2, and two, coming off the bye. They're going to Detroit to take on the even 500 Detroit Lions at 3-3. Three and three. Lions, like we talked about already, big-time last-second comeback win over Atlanta, and then they make a huge trade for defensive lineman Everson Griffin. Um, I got Detroit actually winning this game against the Colts at home. I know Detroit's been up and down this year, but I think with the way they beat Atlanta 
and the confidence that gives them and then making a trade for a guy like Everson Griffin, that kind of can put your season on on the right track, especially at, at 500 uh, through seven weeks in, in the season. So I, I got Detroit winning this game. What about you, Tyler? Man, this is the this is the toughest game. I circled both teams to win this game. Uh, <laughs> hey, you but, there uh, could be a tie. You you want to go with a tie? Yeah, but no, no, I'm not. God, that'd be crazy. But uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick I'm gonna stick with my get my initial gut feeling about the Colts. Um, I just think that they've got the right game plan. I mean, both these teams like to run the ball, and and that and that scenario, I think that uh, I like the Colts better. Uh, better defense, better run game. Jacob, what about you? Uh, I got to go with the Colts, too. They've looked old at times. Well, uh, excuse me, Phillip Rivers has looked <laughs> old at times, but they've honestly impressed me with some of their wins. And the Lions, I just can't really trust them. I probably should have trusted them uh, in that uh, week last week or the game last week, but um, they've really had an up-and-down season this year. So yeah, I, can't totally. really, I can't really trust them weak. Totally. So I got to go, go with the Colts on this one. Well, looks like I'm going to be making up some ground – uh, in in the standings this week, so you went with the Lions. Yeah, oh well, yeah. that's another loss. Okay. <laughs> All right. The next matchup we got is the Minnesota Vikings coming in at one and five, coming off the bye. They are going to Green Bay to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers, coming in at five and one. Big time bounce back game from Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in the win over the Houston Texans. Uh, Minnesota. Clearly not having the year they thought they would, even with trading away Stefan Diggs. Uh, I believe they're even taking now calls about Adam Thielen uh, before the trade deadline here in the NFL. So it's it's definitely not the year Minnesota thought they were going to have. And uh, it's definitely not been the year the Packers, or at least everyone outside the Packers organization, thought the Packers were going to have. And so this this is pretty clear to me that that Aaron Rodgers is going to come in and get the job done at home and beat the rival Minnesota Vikings uh, pretty easily in this one. Yep, Green Bay, Green Bay by a mile. <laughs> big, big, big win, uh, tune-up game, you know. Uh, not much to say. I hate the Vikings a little the Packers. <laughs> Jacob, what about you? I got to go with the Packers on this one. There's no way I'm picking Vikings. Yeah, I mean, I will I, say I will say this though. You know, this score, the Vikings' best shot they got to win in this game is me picking against them. No, hundred percent. I was I, just about I'm, to say, I, I'm absolutely horrible at picking Viking games. So, uh, I'm sorry, Green Bay, but I got to take you. <laughs> All right, the next matchup we got the winless New York Jets coming in at zero and seven. Had a win slip through their fingers last week. Uh, they are going to Kansas City to take on the 6-1 and one Chiefs. Chiefs coming off their first game with Le'Veon Bell. They crushed division foe, the Denver Broncos. I mean, do we have to spend a lot of time on this game? Absolutely not. All right, Chiefs okay, so, winning this. So, uh, how about this, though? What, what, uh, are, you taking, are you taking the Chiefs negative 20? I think the spread is like maybe negative 19 and a half. Yeah, uh, the ESPN app uh, that I was going off the schedule, uh, it had it at Kansas City minus 19 and a half. I'm not taking that spread. I honestly just would stay away from this game if I was betting on it. But if you if I was forced to bet on it, I would take the Jets against the spread. 
yeah, it's it's pretty hard to win by by three scores, um, especially so in today's a, NFL. Just because so many things uh, can go, you know, like Jets can have the best game of their lives, uh, you know, Kansas City could have an unfortunate turnover or a special teams touchdown, but you know, there's weird things that there's a lot of things that can happen that can keep the spread within twenty points. You know? Yeah, so I think I would say way too, but obviously got Kansas City winning big. Yeah, Jacob, you got Kansas City? Yeah, I got Kansas City. If I was betting a spread, yeah. too, it would be like plus 20 as well, at least. Uh, uh, no, no, about, minus 20, sorry. <clears throat> well, what are the odds levy on scores? Uh, I think he gets a touchdown in this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's got to happen, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, he I looked think, good. I he think... got a couple touches in in the first game, and he, he definitely produced. His first run was 17 yards. So I got to think with another week in the system and another week of practice under his belt with the team, I got to imagine he's, he's incorporated more. Yeah. He's playing the Jets, baby. Yeah. He th- wants to score on the Jets. 100% this is a revenge game. I didn't even think about writing that down. Yeah. 100% re- revenge game. He's 100% getting a touchdown. There it is. So, all right. The next matchup we got, the Los Angeles Rams – like Tyler said, trying to compete the the championship trifecta for Los Angeles on their them and the Chargers. Uh, There's yeah. no way the Chargers are getting close <laughs> no, to that. We're not even, not this year, not for years to come. May, yeah, maybe uh, in some years to come, but not this year for sure. But anyways, the Los Angeles Rams they are five and two. Great, great performance on Monday Night Football. Two touchdown victory. Tyler mentioned Johnny Hecker. Fucking beautiful. The Seattle, just, the Seattle legend, just an amazing, one of the best punting games I've ever seen. Um, I love. I was a high school punter. I love the brand. For uh, the brand, baby. McAfee. I love. Shout out McAfee. Uh, shout out Eric Waltingham is the the guy. My uh, my punter, my punter buddy. Uh, <laughs> and he's a Dolphins so fan, I, so isn't that great? And he's a Dolphins fan, so. Uh, yeah, Johnny Eckerman coming off just an amazing. I mean, that one, that one boot of sixty-three yards where Oof. he, you know, he go, he went seventy-five yards in the air. Boomstick. Um, it, you know, just uh, and it and it just bounced straight up. He kicks it so, so weird too. Uh, it's sideways. Well, that, no, he doesn't always do that. That's like yeah. a very yeah. risky play that Pat McAfee has talked about. It, it was. It's, it's just so interesting. And how you, ball placement and how you drop it is how you get different results on. You know, trying to get it to pop straight up, trying to get it to roll, trying to get it to go far, trying to go straight up and down. You know, depending on it, they, they're constantly dropping the ball differently. Yeah, and just with the way that it it the ball rolled each time, it just it kept giving Perfect. the the Bears worse and worse field position. And amazing, it it was just beautiful love, to watch. I love the coverage the brand's getting right now. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Rams though, and I feel really bad that Tua's first game coming off a bye week has to be against this defense. Yeah, that's um, that's really what I wanted to get to was Miami coming in at 500, coming off the bye. This is Tua's first start, but they're literally throwing him to the wolves. They're throwing him out there against Aaron Donald in his first game. Yeah, pretty. It's gonna be tough, man. I mean, he's gonna. They're gonna rely on a lot of RPO stuff stuff he did in college. He's obviously looked good in practice to where they're they're confident with him. Yeah. Uh, but it's just this defense is just uh, – I mean, he's running into one of the best top five Ds 
top five defenses in the NFL. Um, so this is going to be a gritty, gritty, probably low-scoring game. Uh, but I like the Rams to win it just because those defense is going to be too much for two of men. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting also to see what it's like on a short week traveling to the East Coast and having to play a morning game. This is a 10 a.m. game. They're, they're set up really bad. The Rams are set up really bad for this. I mean, like, you know, like we say, they're going over there uh, to Miami and, and we're and the Rams are uh, short week. Miami's got the bye week and, and they're going to be hyped for Tua. But I think just, just the Tua part of it all is probably why the Rams are going to win. They're just they're too uh, they're too smart to be to be beat by a rookie quarterback. Yeah. All right, Jacob, who you got in this game? Oh, this is without a doubt Rams. Okay, I just yeah. wanted to make sure. Oh, no. Got to put it on the record. Uh, all right, the next matchup we got, the last undefeated team, the Pittsburgh Steelers coming in at 6-0. and They beat the Tennessee Titans, one of the, the former uh, undefeated teams, handing uh, them their first loss. They're taking on their AFC North rival, the Baltimore Ravens, coming in at 5-1. and Baltimore coming off the bye. Uh, like Tyler said, making moves like bringing in uh, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, just trying to put them over the top. Um, and with Pittsburgh being on the run that they're on, I'm very excited for this game. Everyone loves a good AFC North game, especially between the Steelers and the Ravens. That always seems to have some fireworks in it. Um, I got the Ravens winning this game. I think that uh, Pittsburgh's six, uh, undefeated run ends this week. Uh, but that that doesn't – I don't want that to take anything away from Pittsburgh because I think they're yeah. a great team. I think they're a contender. It's just I think Baltimore yeah. is also on that level and even might even be a little bit higher. So everyone even with loses. even though they have one loss, but their one loss is to Kansas City. Everyone loses. Uh, you know, it's it, it just happens. It's tough to go make the whole run. And this is a division game, so this is definitely, I think, set up nicely for me to be Pittsburgh's first loss. Jacob, what about you? Yeah, I got to go with the Ravens on this one. Yeah, they did lose that one game to Kansas City, which is a way more explosive team than they are. And it's going to be interesting to see how Big Ben handles this uh, this defense, though, because he's looked great, and so have the Steelers. Their front yeah. seven look, has looked good. Especially the, re- the receiving game. Yeah, in, in, in Claypool. But I... I'm very interested to see how he handles this defense, though, because, again, this defense for the Ravens is sometimes unstoppable. Yeah, totally. So, I I mean, you're you're looking at, I I think, game of the week right there for for, for week eight. Hands down, not even a question. Yeah. All right. These are some of the, I, I think, football fans everywhere. These are these are some of the most enjoyable games oh, in yeah. history. Yeah. Last two decades. Last two decades. Um. All right, the the next matchup we got is the Los Angeles Chargers, who are also trying on the, to on the journey to to title town, baby. Let's get that trifecta, baby. One day, one day, uh, they're going to take on their AFC West foe, the Denver Broncos, also coming in at two and four. Chargers getting their first victory with Justin Herbert as their starting quarterback over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Denver Broncos coming off a blowout loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I know Herbert looked great against Jacksonville, but in the elements in Denver, 
Uh, I'm very interested to see what that will look like. I got Denver winning this game. What about you guys? Man, can you imagine the party, the trifecta city of championships party, all three trophies in the building. You got, you got Braun, you got Mookie Betts, you got Herbert up there. Oh, shut the fuck up, Tyler. Just a sight to see. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I, I, I got Denver, I got Denver winning this game. I, I would just want to point out really quick that Denver's defense against Kansas City last week played amazing. The score does not uh, indicate like how well this defense played. They only gave up nine points on offense into the fourth quarter. Um, Fourteen of those points were kickoff, re- and then on top of the nine points they gave up, they had a kick return, which wasn't them, and then they had a pick six, which wasn't them. So uh, I think Denver's defense is is playing really well right now. Uh, so against Herbert, I think they get the win. Jacob, well, I don't agree with Tyler with uh, them winning the Super Bowl this year, but I still got to go with Herbert and the Chargers. Man, this kid is relentless. Oh. So I, I, I love what I see from him. And yeah, the Chargers team is a little bit banged up, but honestly, from from all close, they've been able to keep certain games. I think that's great. So I got to go with them on this nah, uh, I mean, for this week. We we've talked about Justin Herbert a lot on this show this season because of what he's doing on the field, and it's. It is incredible. He's he's a remarkable young talent. He's not afraid of anything. I think that's good to see, you know. Definitely. Bur- Burrow, Burrow and Herbert are uh, number one and number two all-time rookie passing yards a game. Already? Now, early in the season, but, well, I mean, it's early in the season. Oh, so through this point in the season. I got you. Through, through, you know, if their season's ended tomorrow. And also, I forgot for the Miami game, the crazy stat that I heard is Tua will be the first left in – handed quarterback to make a start since week 17 in 2015 my boy kellen moore started for the cowboys <laughs> that's the last time that's the last time a left-handed quarterback has started a game and that just blew my mind that is that is a mind-blowing stat um but yeah denver denver over denver over uh la all right so me and tyler have denver jacob has the chargers Listen. Jacob sees that trifecta, that trifecta ceremony with. <laughs> well, I don't see the trophies, Braun, but I do see a win in week eight. <laughs> you got Braun and Mookie and Austin Eckler, dude. It's just like stars, you know, the stars are stars. <laughs> oh God! All right, let's move on to the next game. We got the New Orleans Saints coming in at four and two. They're going to Chicago to the Windy City to take on the five and two Bears. New Orleans coming off the win against the Carolina Panthers who do have Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater was a former New Orleans Saint. Um, yes, he was. But a current New Orleans Saint that still has question marks around him is Michael Thomas. What is happening with him? Is he going to play? Is he going to get traded? What's happening with Michael Thomas? Um, the Bears, on the other hand, lost to the Rams on Monday Night Football. The offense looked awful, and that is... Uh, in part thanks to Johnny Hecker and also in part thanks to the amazing defense that the Los Angeles Rams have. And now people are questioning Matt Nagy and if he should go back to Mitch Trubisky with how Nick Foles looked against the Rams. So with that being said, no, he should not. (laughs) That's a horrible decision. Okay. That's how Jacob feels. Um, With that being said, whether Michael Thomas is out there or not, I have new Orleans winning this game. I thought the Bears were the biggest fluke of a 5-1 team I've ever seen. Uh, so, yeah, 
never, never once cracked the top ten. No. So we knew. We knew. Uh, I think you're. I mean, I think you you hit it on the head with like Johnny Hecker um, and the Rams defense with Nick Foles. You, I still think Nick, Nick Foles gives you the best opportunity to win on a week to week basis. They're not going to win this game because uh, New Orleans is just a superior team. And uh, you know, as far as Michael Thomas goes, I think the only thing we know is we don't know what's going on. Uh, but the the Saints are moving on, and they're and they're more of a running team. Uh, than they ever have been before. Kamara's playing amazing. No, he's been uh, unreal this getting, year. You know, and they're getting him the ball a lot in the passing game as well. So it really has been the Kamara show uh, without Michael Thomas, and that's all right. They're winning. Uh, they're winning football games. Yep. Jacob, who do you got? I got to go with the Saints on this one too. Same thing with the Bears. I really thought they were legit after week three, but then I think game after game, I started to say, you know what, this team is uh, is a fluke for sure. Even with them winning games. Yeah. Again, so they had that win against Atlanta, but that was just a complete breakdown from the from the Falcons, though. Yeah. So uh, I still would go with Nick Foles as your starter, though. I would not swap him out for Trubisky. Uh, yeah, I agree. There's no way in hell. Yeah. He'll lose more games. I, yeah, I mean, the Monday night football game against the Rams said more about the Rams than it did the Bears. I think that, yeah, I mean, like like I yeah. said, it's Johnny Hecker in the defense hey, I, made Nick Foles look bad. I used to- yeah, I used to tell high school football coach the key to a good defense was a good punter. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen. There's... He hated it. He hated it. <laughs> he, Every... was, he, was, he was the defensive coordinator. I didn't play defense, but I was the punter. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but, all right, the the next matchup we got is the San Francisco 49ers coming off a absolutely dominant performance over the, the New England Patriots. They're going up to the link to take on the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks at five and one, coming off that crushing loss in overtime against Arizona. And I mean, I Tyler, your breakdown of it during the the power rankings, I thought was spot on. I think Seattle lost that game. I don't think Arizona really won that game. There were so many opportunities, not just for Seattle, but Arizona as well, to win that game, and it just uh, it kind of just slipped through Seattle's fingers. Yeah, I mean, Seattle had the ball twice in overtime. That's just, like, inexcusable. And Cliff so, Kingsbury uh, iced his own kicker. Yep, exactly. I mean, yeah, Arizona did everything they could to lose the game. So, definitely on Seattle. So, I look for a big-time bounce back against our big, which I would consider uh, this the biggest Seattle rivalry of my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, is the Niners. And this is going to be this is gonna be a tough game, probably a low-scoring game. And, uh, but I mean, I got to go with my guys, got to go with Russ. And uh, I like, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to take your, take your loss because uh, that undefeated target on your back is, is definitely plays against you the later you get in the season. Yeah, definitely. I I got Seattle winning this game. Jacob, what about you? I got to go with the Seahawks. The, the Niners look good last week, but again, I think they still have key injuries. Definitely. And that system is not what it looked like last year. No way. But And the Seahawks, honestly, Russell Wilson, in my opinion, between him and Rodgers are two lead MVP candidates I have for this year. Yeah, definitely still. So um, I got to go with the Hawks on this one. Tyler, I do have a question about the Hawks for you. Are you starting to get concerned about the secondary yet because of how many points uh, the defense is giving up? You know, this is like, you, you know, this is all I read on social media. I, from- that's why I had to ask you. 
it's frustrating because I'm not that guy. I'm not a, I'm not hitting the panic button and I don't think it's going to hold us back. I think there's teams that win Super Bowls as an offensive team and teams that win as a defensive team. Not every single NFL champion had an elite pass rush. Uh, I don't think it holds us back enough to be concerned about it. And we put up points and we passed the ball so much better than, and so much more than we used to that the, all these offenses are going to have much more opportunities. They're going to have more t- – there's going to be more stoppage, you know, with incompletions, more opportunities for turnovers. And then, you know, we're not going to hold the ball as long as we used to. So uh, I think with, with – this is the first year we went from being – the lowest percentage of pass plays in the NFL to the highest. We literally went completely changed our philosophy. Maybe our defense needs a little bit to figure out what the fuck, you know, they're not used to this either. We played different style of football for years. Um, and I think they were picking up good pieces along the way. So no, I'm not with, I'm not with 99% of Washingtonians on this one. <laughs> okay. I just, I had to make sure. And then um, real quick, I just got to mention the, Buda Baker interception and DK Metcalf running him down. I think that was probably one of the only times we'll see a combine measurable drill like the 40 ever come into play because Buda Baker and DK Metcalf's 40 times were pretty much near identical and DK caught him and I mean that was one of the most spectacular that plays was crazy I've seen. to see. I don't know who else posted about it or, or tweeted something about it, but they said we need a Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf race. That throw Buddha in there too. Yeah, I don't know who it was who mentioned that, but man, I was like, I'm all on board for that. That'd be great. It was a deep it was a defensive player, damn it. Or <laughs> man. I forget who said that about the race. Yeah, but uh, I was I was all on board. I said, Man, I they need to sign me up for this. Instead of the was it uh, Ryan Clark. I don't I, know. He was the first defensive guy that came to mind. I think so, but No, it was a player. In, oh, it, a current player. Yeah, and a current player. Oh, okay. I don't even think it was for the for uh, one of the two teams that played. I think it was no, somebody else that, that think, saw it. Yeah. Uh, and he was just amazed as I was. But I said, man, screw the Pro Bowl. <laughs> they should just do a race of them. That, yeah, they already... it, was My- it was Miles Garrett. There you go, Miles oh, okay. Garrett. Hey, Miles Garrett. I agree with Garrett then. Man, yeah. I see this. I agree. Um, one of the greatest plays ever. I mean, amazing. DK is just the truth. We we love him. We, 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 we think we hit the lottery. Dude, he's been incredible. You guys did hit the lottery with him. Um. And then last thing, or I guess second to last thing, real quick, is Jamal Adams playing this week or no? Uh, you know, I think that that's just going to be up in there until okay. we see him on the field. There's every reason to keep him out, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, I think that there's no reason to rush him, which is why it's just kind of, you know, it's unknown right now. I, I, I think it's a 50-50 shot at this point. Okay. And then you, you mentioned uh, Carlos Dunlap in the power rankings. I, I uh, that's a great move for Seattle. Yeah, that's, I mean, it pleases, you know, it pleases our biggest weakness. It pleases our fans. Um, and he's a guy that creates pressure, not just through sacks. Yeah. Uh, he's a huge body and he'll demand a lot of attention. So uh, a, a domino piece like that, that may not show up in the stats, could change our, our entire defense. So definitely stoked. And I'm glad that we addressed the, you know, we addressed the area of the field that needed the needed the attention. Yeah. All right. Two more games left. Sunday night football and Monday night football. First Sunday night, we got an NFC East matchup between the Dallas Cowboys coming in at two and five, coming off oh, a brutal loss to the Washington football team. They're going up to Philly to take on the Eagles, who are coming in at two, four, and one. 
Philadelphia scored the winning touchdown uh, under with under two minutes to go left in the game uh, against the New York Giants on Thursday night football last week. So you got two primetime games for the Eagles in two weeks, and I think it's two primetime victories in two weeks. I, I got Philly winning this game over Dallas. Um, there's still concerns about Zeke in the running game with Dallas, the quarterback situation, uh, obviously with uh, Dak Prescott going down. And just this team is not uh, the same team. The pieces around the mainstays of Dak Prescott and Zeke, those pieces around them, they aren't performing the same. They're they're hurt. Um, it's just been a, a really tough year for, for Dallas when it was supposed to be a really big year for them. Oh, well, every year for them and Cowboys fans is a big year hey, for Dallas. At Cowboys. least in their eyes. Yeah, at least in their eyes. But honestly, both of these teams have had – really up and down seasons and kind of crappy seasons if we're being honest but oh, yeah i think more things more positive things have gone for the eagles yeah i i got the eagles winning this game jacob it sounds like you do as oh, well of course tyler yeah i got the i got the i got the eagles winning this game but more importantly i got it. and now thursday may be a too late but my big prediction is thursday morning we find out that this game's been flexed out and we get pittsburgh baltimore sunday night football Ooh, so that's what i that's really what um. That's what I'm waking up tomorrow hoping to see. Yeah, this is the the 5 get, p.m. game. Get, get, yeah, this is horrible. Get, get this gar get this garbage game out. Um, two win teams, and and get Baltimore and Pittsburgh in there. <laughs> this should have been Philly, a Thursday game, Philly, honestly. I think, Philly, I think, is poised to win this uh win this division, um, uh, just because of their, you know, their stability within their franchise, with the coaching and just their style of play. Um, they always play well in November and December, so I like Philly to win this and ultimately win the win the East. Yeah. All right. The Monday night game, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming in at five and two. They're going up to New York or New Jersey, whatever you want to call it, uh, to take on the New York Giants. The Giants coming in at one and six. We kind of mentioned it when we were talking about the Patriots. Jacob did at least. Uh, Brady doesn't have to worry about that. The the Belichick questions anymore of is he a system quarterback? Will he be great without Belichick? Is Belichick going to be great without Brady? Blah blah blah. He Brady doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He looks like he is really hitting his stride and taking this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team full steam ahead. On the other hand, the New York Giants, they had a win slip through their fingers on Thursday night football against Philadelphia. And, I mean, I, I bet, Tyler, is this the other game you wanted to talk about the spread? Uh, I mean, yeah, this is this has got the similar vibe. <laughs> this is, we're, we're in for a slaughtering. Well, the spread for this is minus 10.5. Would you take the Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at minus 10.5, or would you stay away? Yeah. Yeah, no, I would take that all day. Okay. Um, the way, that, you know, I uh, I really try to dive into the team stats uh, this week, and man, the way Tampa Bay is playing, it's just you know they're it's just scary. dominating both sides. They're dominating both sides of the ball. And real quick, because I, you know the Belichick Brady breakup was so close to my heart, uh, because I felt like they were America's couple. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I think who it's were they unfair. America's couple for? New England only, I bet. It, well, I mean, and I you, I guess. Yes, they were. They, they were. The, you know, I, I loved them. They were the perfect pair. And I think it's unfair to compare and say like, "Oh, Brady was this, and Belichick wasn't." And you know, 
Belichick has a lot of adversity he's facing uh, with all the injuries and the uh, the COVID stuff. And then Brady has like basically no adversity. Um, he's set up for success. So I don't necessarily think that this answers any questions about Brady's ability. This is the most talented team he's ever played for. Uh, it's not like he's playing on a Patriots level team. You know, uh, the Patriots on paper aren't as good. Like you go on the Patriots because, you know, Belichick's ability to game plan. Um, so just defending Belichick a little bit there, I guess. Uh, I think Brady's had it a lot easier than Belichick has. So oh, yeah. for a comparison. Okay. Yeah. Different, different scenarios. All right. But uh, we both have Tampa Bay winning that game. Jacob? I have Tampa Bay winning okay. that game. Just making sure. Not after uh, Daniel Jones fell last week. Oh, we no, didn't even talk about that. There is no way I am picking the Giants. I'm so, thank you for bringing that up right at the end. And I can't believe I forgot about that. But <laughs> what? <laughs> sniper. Yeah, sniper. No, I love the post that you put. So it was Daniel no, Jones was bar, running. It was Barstool Sports. I yeah. can't take credit well, for it. Well, I know, it. but you, you reposted it. But I loved seeing that. But what a, what a way to sum up 2020 and the Giants season. Yeah. In no one, better way. In one play. No better way. So, all right, that uh, that wraps it up for the pi- the picks of the week for week eight. Uh, real quick, four teams on by Arizona Cardinals at five and two. They beat the Seattle Seahawks like we talked about, game winning field goal in overtime. Cliff Kingsbury iced his own kicker. So many opportunities for each team to win. Yada yada yada. The Washington Football Team they are on by two and five. They beat the Cowboys twenty five to three. Jacksonville Jaguars also on by. They're one and six. They lost to the Chargers last week. And the Houston Texans also one and six. They ran into the buzzsaw that was Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams coming off their first loss of the year. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, you guys got any shout outs or anything else you guys wanted to mention before we get out of here? Yeah, man. I got two real quick. Uh, got a shout out. One of the goats in sports, Habib, for getting the, uh, for getting the dub. Yep over Justin Gaethje and ultimately retiring. Um, it was a pretty emotional thing to watch. It was cool to watch. He's an honorable dude, stand-up guy. Uh, you know, you've got to respect a guy like Habib. And, uh, you know, I, I I hope I see him fight again, but it's very real. We may never see him fight again. I don't think uh, we one will. Of the goats of this, one of the goats of the sports. And then uh, the second one is, man, I got to shout out to Seattle kid, Nate Rob, for tomorrow night. Um, tomorrow night <laughs> we got right. Mike, Mike. Tomorrow night we got Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. And on the undercard we got our, my boy Nate Rob boxing Paul Logan. So it's yeah, Logan be, Paul, Logan uh, Paul. Yeah, I didn't want to give him that respect. So <laughs> I got Nate Rob coming in and beating Paul Logan, um, and I'm excited <laughs> to watch him. All right, Jacob, you got a shout out before we get out of here? Yeah, my shout out is to uh, Clayton Kershaw for finally getting his ring and the Dodgers. Just such a long time that these uh, this fans of this city have waited for uh, for a World Series. Just such a great moment to see them catch the the pennant right there, and especially for him, man. Just watching it unfold right before his eyes. Just yeah, that weight finally being lifted. Definitely, definitely. I'm I'm also uh, gonna shout out the Dodgers. Uh, shout out the Lakers. Both championships uh, this year. Both winning championships together in 1988. Los Angeles, the city of champions. Uh, I can't believe I didn't make it through this episode. I I couldn't make it through this episode 
without not crying. I did cry. I'm I'm trying to not get the double negative in there, but um, I I mean this this championship means a lot to me, and it's I got to watch a World Series game with my grandfather, who has seen all of the previous Dodgers championships before this one. Uh, even though they lost that game, that was uh, a memory I'll always have about this World Series. Um, it's it just it it means a lot, and there's there's really no other way to put it. Um, I forgot to mention when we were talking about it, uh, but it, I just remember now. I was on the Ryan Seacrest morning show again on uh, Kiss FM this morning, talking about the Dodgers. Uh, I was literally on probably three and a half hours of sleep. I got a call at about four forty-five this morning after going to sleep at about one one fifteen, I think. Um, and uh, I got to talk about what it meant and all of that. So uh, we'll put that at the end of this episode like we did the last time I was on because it was really cool. He introduced me as the host of the Sports Kingdom podcast, which was uh, – it's pretty cool that Ryan Seacrest knows about our podcast. We just – we got to get him on now yeah, somehow. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's so dope, man. It's pretty crazy, you know, like coming from a small town, everybody watched American Idol. Like that's just crazy. Yeah. It's uh, – it's... Freaking, freaking Ryan and Eric just hanging out. <laughs> It's on the phone. Unbelievable. Uh, Sorry, so. Mom. I'm talking to Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, go Dodgers, the 2020 World Series champions. With that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of Sports, at Tyler Pachelke, and at Jacob Double Underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace. I think we have uh, Eric Sklar on the line who runs the board at KFI AM 640. You know, just so you know, we have put out offers to all the Dodger players, and in lieu of them, we're talking to Dodger fans, which is just as good. And in lieu of that, we're talking to people who work for us who are Dodger fans. So you get it all here. I love it. You get it all covered. And and Eric doesn't even work for us. He works for our sister station. So we want to cover all the bases, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, we're going to get to Eric Sklar in just a second, who runs the uh, controls for KFI AM 640, host of the Sports Kingdom podcast on iHeartRadio. Uh, but, Sissany, you said you uh, you something happened superstitiously, and that's the reason that we pulled this off at the end of the game last night? Yes. So we brought to eat last night at the game Jones on third, Chinese chicken salad pizzas. Or not pizzas, salads. And then we also had pizzas. Mm. So um, I went to the – I went to Pavilions and I got um, paper plates. I I made sure that they were blue and white paper plates. Um, So we're eating our pizzas and I asked Michael – like it was right around sixth inning. I was like, "Hey, can you throw this plate away?" Because we had a little trash bag right next to the bed of the truck. And he goes, "I will. Just hang on one second. Right after this play." And that was the play that we scored. And so then that turned into our lucky plate. It was a oh, you greasy throw it away. paper plate, and we did not throw this paper plate away for the rest of the game. And like every time we would wave it, it was our lucky plate. We kept it, and we 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 signed, we autographed it. It's amazing how very oh, like, it's amazing how very intelligent people become so naive instantly uh, during I a sporting so event. 
wild. And she's going to be eating so off that plate dumb. today for lunch and later for dinner. <laughs> she's uh, going to bring it to like next no, season. No, we're, we're keeping that plate and like it's part of like a family. I don't know. We're going to frame it. Look, this is the plate. Oh, we wrote on it. 2020 um, World Series oh Game Six Lucky Plate. That's cool, though. I, I, I think it's cool. That's a that's a good keepsake to frame. Uh, let me grab Eric, who's on the line, who uh, hosts Sports Kingdom, the podcast on iHeartRadio. So, Eric, how'd you celebrate last night? Oh, Ryan, how did I celebrate? I celebrated with another champagne shower. Come on, Ryan. that's right. That's right. I didn't I didn't see you on social, so I don't know how you did it on social media. But he did tell us that he changes seats during the games if his team needs a spark. How many times did you change seats in your living room last night? Oh, Ryan, I wasn't in the living room. I was working the game for KLAC AM570 LA Sports. I was I was helping out with the grabbing highlights and stuff for the post game so show. Where were you? Uh I was at the radio station. I was oh. I was I was popping I was popping between studio and studio to try and change the vibe. But uh <laughs> it was uh it was something special to be at the radio station. Yeah. Eric, you sound absolutely it. drained from this World Series. You sound absolutely <laughs> beaten up from this World Series, Eric. I mean, it's it's the first World Series the Dodgers have won in my lifetime, and yeah. it's it's something I've always dreamed of. Well, I can hear the emotion in your voice. I know a lot of people are feeling that same way, and this has been something they've been waiting for all their lives. Eric, I want to ask you a question since you were working the game last night, and you were working at the station. What can you tell us about Justin Turner being pulled out in the eighth and the timing of the results of his COVID test? Oh, man, Ryan. There's a lot being talked about that, and honestly, I, I don't know much. It was really, I mean, as soon as the Dodgers found out that they needed to pull him from the game, they pulled him from the game, and I mean, but I, we're we curious hope. about the timing. You know, you would think you'd get the results for everybody back before the game starts. So right. bizarre to be to be called so, in the dugout and be pulled in the middle of the game. Right. So from from my understanding is that um, I guess on Monday he had taken a test. And those results had come back inconclusive. And so Major League Baseball ordered a, like a re, re, rerun of those tests. And when they finally came back with that rerun, it was in the middle of the game. And wow. they, wow. Called the, they called so, the Dodgers immediately. And, and they said, you got to pull hey, you got to pull yeah, yeah, you got to pull him off the field. So, interesting. So, so his test, so it sounds like, I mean, I'm listening to what Eric's reporting here, but it sounds like they got the test results all in time for the game, but an inconclusive, right. you don't know. So they said, let's assume, right. let's assume one's positive and let's get tested. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, one's so po- I would say let's, let's assume he's negative and let him play. So, sorry, you're right. So let's assume he's negative. That's what I mean. And then it comes back positive. Mm-hmm. And so and now is that a positive positive or a false positive? But it, it sounds like they did get their test results back. That inconclusive, they said, well, let's assume it's not, you know, COVID. And they went forward, and then they had to pull him in the air. I mean, it was just a strange turn of events. And, of course, for Justin Turner, a superstar on our team, not to be able to celebrate in the grandest way kind of sucked for Justin. Of course, yeah. his health, if it's a positive test, is a concern as well. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, just 
with everything going on and just the unprecedented situation with COVID and with the way the whole season was put together, I think that, I mean, you still have to commend Major League Baseball with how they did to finish the season. Yeah. So, I mean, with Justin getting it on the very last day, I think that, I mean, all prayers and thoughts to Justin. Hope he gets well soon. And it's it's horrible that he couldn't celebrate with the team initially when they won. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just so crazy that I'm sure we'll know more within the within the next few hours of yeah. well, we'll, what's we'll, really we'll going s- on. We'll stay on that. Eric, I, I really feel like you need to get some rest. So <laughs> thank you for coming on with us I'm, so early this morning after a big night, all right? Yes. yes take care of yourself. Thank you, Ryan, for having oh, me. Thank you. you got it. Bye-bye. I mean, I don't know what pace that podcast is, but that is the slow version. <laughs> Poor guy. I mean, the guy. I mean, the guy was working late, but I'm thinking, wow, have. how long is that podcast he does? Yeah, <laughs> must I be one it. topic for hours. <laughs> I mean, Tubbs, I, I, was, I know you're listening in on that. I would speed up if you're going to pitch a podcast. Speed up your pace. Yeah, my, my mine might be a little more high energy. Not that much. I mean, I'm listening to you now. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you're making leaps and bounds in terms of your energy from Eric. But the guys, the guys, the guys working hard, and he's working all shifts, and he sounds like I used to sound when I was working overnights. One thing he said that was really special was he said that it was really cool feeling being at the radio station during yeah. that win. You yeah. know, and I'm like the nerd in me was like, yeah, yeah. that would have been kind of cool being in the studio. All yeah, right, <laughs> let, let's come back. It's Kiss FM.